This is week three of our sermon series entitled Starstruck, and we've been looking through the Jingle Bells song, and not really. These different accounts and looking at it for different angles, and I believe sometimes we need to do that from Scripture is to uh, dig deep and really uh, look into what we're reading and not just read it from the lens of our history or our upbringing, or our own ideals, but truly look at the text for what it is. And I'm so grateful for the Christmas story and all that it, it implies in our life. And sure, it is the story about a baby born 2,000 years ago, but there are so many things within those few short chapters that look at the birth of Jesus that applies to our lives and how we live today. So we've looked at the starstruck uh, thing through week one and week two. And this is week three. So this week I want us to look at some unwise individuals of the Christmas story. And conclude and see if we can see ourselves in our deconstructive ways in some of the things that we're going to talk about. If there's any perfect people in the room, uh, we'll go ahead and dismiss you and you can go on to your car and return to your home. But for those of us that have some deconstructive ways or some things within our lives and our actions and our manners that we would like God to deal with, I implore you to stay in the room today. So as we think through the Christmas story, I want us to look at King Herod, and we talked about him in week one, and King Herod was an awful individual that basically was starstruck, but the deal was he was starstruck upon himself, that he was in awe of who he was and what he was able to obtain and what he was able to accomplish in his life. And I believe the word that we should use here to describe him is selfish. And all too often, I think in our lives that we're pretty selfish as individuals are self. Amen? Is there any selfish people in the room? If it's not you, it's probably the one you're sitting beside of, so just don't look over at them. They'll think they're guilty. The entire way that Scripture describes Jesus' birth and his life and everything that he did while he was here. He wasn't selfish, he was selfless. So I believe if there's anything we need to learn through the Christmas story is that we don't want to be selfish like King Herod, but we want to be selfless like Jesus. Especially during this season, it would be in our best interest to glorify God through our selfless acts. And allow him to be glorified and not ourselves. Sometimes success causes us to think we're more important than what we really are. Some very important people in times past, sure there's books written about them, there's uh, biographies and there's different things that's out there that would describe their life. But the farther time goes, the, it doesn't take long for them to be lost in time, and we ourselves wouldn't even know their names. But in their own opinion, they would probably think that they would live on in infamy. But in reality, we are all just temporal beings here living on this planet with an eternity in front of us. And we have to decide what are we going to do in eternity. Right now matters. But eternity matters even more. So the thing about King Herod was he, and according to the stories that we know from Matthew chapter 1 and 2 and Luke chapter 1 and 2, is that Herod did not understand or know scripture himself. So when the wise men had got to Herod and 
they knew to go to the king of the country that where they was going to find out what the king, of the current king of the Jews, knew about the next king of the Jews. And whenever this happened, King Herod, I'm sure, was probably mad at himself that he didn't know or understand Scripture. He was caught. in his ignorance of Scripture. All too often, I believe, that if we are asked on the street corner something about Scripture, and I know myself, whenever somebody asks me, where does it say this in the Bible? I can't quote word for word the entire Bible. I can't tell you exactly where the verse is a lot of times. And I don't believe any of us can ever know it all. But I, believe, I do believe that we should try our best, according to Scripture, to have an answer when somebody asks us. Paul tells that in the epistles, that we should be able to give an answer when someone is asking of us. So our study time prepares us for that instance when somebody asks us. So sometimes as we're studying, we don't see how this is going to apply to my life, but maybe in a later date when you're standing on a street corner and somebody asks you about a scripture, it will come back to remembrance because the Holy Spirit will bring that to remembrance because you've read it before. It's important to know the scripture. It is the power of God. So King Herod was ignorant. Paul later says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren concerning the gifts of the Spirit. I don't want you to be ignorant. And as your pastor, I don't want you to be ignorant of Scriptures either. And I try to, every year on an annual basis, take us through Scripture from different perspectives and use different uh, uh, topics and different Scriptures to look into things so that we can be aware of the whole counsel of God. I don't want us just to hone in on one thing, and I think a lot of churches are guilty of that, that they'll hone in on one little topic and just be known as a grace church, or just be known as a faith church, or just be known as a healing church, or just be known as, as this type of church. I don't want to be that. I want the whole counsel of God to be who the Bridge Church is. So that we're equipped to do the good work of the ministry here at the Bridge. But Herod didn't know the scripture. And can you imagine the king of the Jews having to call for the Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious leaders basically the pastors and the ministers of their day, and call them and say, hey, can you come and help me out with this? How embarrassing is it when we're caught in our ignorance? And the thing about that is I assure you that King Herod probably could have named every name of every individual that he had placed in leadership positions. Uh, it wasn't mayors and the systems that we've got in government today, but there was leaders that were uh, spread out all throughout the nation of Israel that King Herod could have named you names. I believe he could have told you who was in charge of different things. I believe he could have told you who the treasures was here and the treasures was there. So he knew a lot of things, but the things he knew wasn't important. Sometimes we spend our efforts into knowing things that seem important to us, but in the scheme of eternity, they're really minute and they really don't matter. Now, I'm not telling you not to be good at your occupation. If your occupation does, uh, if you're in HR, then be the best HR person you can be. The Bible tells us to do everything as unto the Lord, even in your job site. So when you're out there logging, be the best logger you can be. Be the best representation of the kingdom of God that you can be to your co-workers, to those that you come into contact with in business. If you're a teacher, be the best teacher you can be and teach in a way that exemplifies love and compassion that Jesus shows to humanity. If you're a young person that's going to college and you're in classes, then be the best you can be as a student. We all could do better. 
the prophets in the Old Testament that King Herod had these scrolls. He was entrusted with the government of the nation of Israel, a very important position. He had access, but he had no desire. And I wonder how many of us has access to apps on our phone, whether it's the Blue Letter Bible or the Bible app or all these different things, and how seriously do we take them? Do we have the desire to know the Scripture? Or are we like King Herod and our desires are in the things of this world? But as he asked these religious leaders to come, and I'm sure these religious leaders were like, isn't it amazing? I've got to go help this ignorant king we have. I've got to go help him with what he hasn't spent the time or the effort to know. And it's easy for us to be so self-righteous that we think we've got it all together when in reality we're all just broken, amen, falling short of the glory of God. That's what sinners are. We're all just falling short of the glory of God. But God gave us a gift, and that gift is Jesus Christ. And Jesus comes in. He changes us from the inside out. He even changes our desires. And sometimes it takes time, doesn't it? Even though we have given our life to him, maybe you've given your life to him 35 years ago, or maybe you've given him your life to him a month ago, or a week ago, or yesterday, or maybe you're going to today. I love this verse, though. It's a verse I picked out for King Herod. This was written later by the Apostle Paul, but I think it applies to the situation we're talking about. Romans 12, verse 3. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, that means everybody, this applies to everybody. Look at your neighbor and say, this applies to you. Applies to Pay attention. attention. You're probably ignorant to this fact. To everyone who is among you, not to think of himself or herself more highly than you ought to think. But to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. We ought to think of ourselves less and others more. We ought to think of ourselves less and God more. We ought to think of ourselves less and Jesus more. We ought to think of ourselves less and Scripture more. Amen? This is truth, whether we like it or not. And this is a Christmas season, but I'm here to tell you today that God is telling us things through this Christmas story that sometimes we overlook because we all just want to be in, oh, the little baby Jesus in a manger. But there's other individuals in this story that we need to look to to say, wow, that's me. Pastor, you're preaching to me today. Pastor, you're preaching to yourself today. Yeah. Amen. Leslie says amen, if nobody else will. I'm confident that the wise man wasn't impressed with Herod's self-righteousness. Can you imagine these wise men that had came to see this baby that was born king of the Jews and they interacted with this current king of the Jews that was so full of himself and so starstruck by himself, it almost caused them probably to puke in their mouth, as Leslie says. Or throw up in your mouth. Which way do you word that? Something like that. Has anybody ever puked in your mouth and held it in and then swallowed it back just so you didn't spit it out? That's what we're talking about. That's the... Bleh. <laughs> if I talk about puke enough, will there be anybody in the room to puke whenever I start going... Bleh. Yeah. So to be wise... And not to be self-righteous, I think we have to spend time. If we're going to leave the ways of Herod and come into the kingdom of God and do what we're supposed to do and study Scripture the way we've so often said, we have to spend time studying. 
And I don't think you have to make up for all of your past shortcomings in a day. I don't think you have to make up for all of it in a week or in a month or in a year. I think you have to start with wherever you are now and do the next step. So what I'm going to ask you to do is if you're not studying any on a daily basis, start with two minutes a day. Yeah. Amen. It's more than what you're doing now, so it's a step forward. It's a step in the right direction. And it's really easy. There's a Bible app that if you don't have it, reach out to us, somebody here at the church, myself or Leslie or Dusty or Albie or some, somebody here at the church, and we'll be glad to get you that help on your phone. And it's really cool because that Bible app is one that gives you a daily, a daily verse, and usually that verse applies to whatever you're going to deal with that day. Does anybody use the Bible app? I want you to raise your hand if you've got the Bible app on your phone, and it gives you a daily reading, a scriptural reading. It's awesome. And it will help you in your life, but it will also help you to have an answer for maybe somebody else's situation that day. Maybe it's not for you. Maybe it's for your coworker that they're going to be facing something. And maybe at the water fountain or the coffee pot, they're going to bring up something. And that verse that day, if you would have read it, would have been able to say, yeah, but God. Amen. Yeah, but God, because they're going to be talking about all these things and the troubles and the things they're facing and whatever. And the scripture you may have read that morning, if you would have read it, would have been the answer to their problem. It's important for us to do that. So start with two minutes. Maybe you want to go to the next step and you don't want to just stay with the verse alone, the daily verse, but then you get in a Bible reading plan. It's got a, on that app, it's got a Bible reading plan. And you can, you can search any topic you want, and there is all kinds of of different topics on there, whether it's uh, how to be a good spouse or you just name any topic. It's on that app. And then you can spend about five minutes because it'll give you a little paragraph or two and it'll lead you along a journey so that you can understand Scripture and it'll give you a little insight into things. So you can start with two minutes. If you're beyond that point, you're sitting here today, say, yeah, I'm doing two minutes a day, Pastor. I've got the app on my phone. I'm reading my daily daily Bible verse, but now I want to go a step farther. I want to go into one of those plans. You can do that. And it just keeps increasing because the more you know, the more you want to know. It becomes addictive. Amen? When you get to see the clarity of what God's Word teaches us and how it causes us to interact with our uh, surroundings, our neighbors, how many knows neighbors should be good friends? Yeah. Amen. There's enough bad neighbors on the planet. We don't need to be that as Christians. Come on, somebody. So spend time studying Scripture. We can always do more. The second thing that I want to talk about as those religious leaders. So we saw that Herod was a self-righteous individual, and we don't want to be that. We want to be the opposite of that. We want to be selfless, like Christ. But as we look at these religious leaders, and this, these were the people that King Herod had to go to to get the answers that he was needing. So these were the people that had been studying Scripture. They had uh, given their whole life to this purpose, that they was doing nothing but studying Scripture But really they had become so pompous in their ways that they were so boastful about having knowledge of Scripture that they really didn't know the God of Scripture, but they knew the text. They could quote you verses, but they really didn't know God. So we've got to be careful that in our studying that we won't become so self-righteous even in our studying that we know the answer and others don't, that we're boastful about it. So these religious leaders were so struck, starstruck of themselves and their positions in the church. God's chosen people knew Scripture, but unfortunately they weren't in tune with it spiritually. We can know Scripture, but we've got to know the Spirit of God to allow it to be applied in our lives. It's not enough just to know it. We've got to know where to use it. We've got to know where to apply it. The Word of God is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces asunder. 
even to the bone and marrow, it says in Scripture. We know these things, that the Word of God can help us, but we got to know where to apply it. These Pharisees and Sadducees, they knew the words of God. They knew where the baby was going to be born. They knew from the Old Testament prophet that said that he would be born in Bethlehem. They knew these things, but they were so caught up in their religious acts of doing ministry in and of their own religion that they didn't understand that God had foretold in times old that the baby would be born in Bethlehem. The wise men outsmarted them because they knew now is the time. The Pharisees and Sadducees knew where he was born. They didn't know when he would be born. I would rather be wise than unwise. They knew the information, but they were unable to discern when Christ would come. Due to the fact that they had added cumbersome religious duties and rituals in God's law. I wrote this down. Religion binds you. Amen. I'm so thankful for a church here where we can come in as we are and there's no religion in how we require my mom talked about often how when Bethesda Church was first started, it's now the Bridge Church, that, how, that they intended to make it a church to where that they wanted people to come in and feel free as a woman to come in in slacks or dress, dress pants or in blue jeans or kids could come in in shorts and, and just interact with God's people in a way that wasn't binding. The Bible does tell us for sure to be modest. Amen? So I do believe in modesty, but I don't believe in telling you what modesty is. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit do His dealing with you. Amen? How many knows He can do a better job than I can anyway? Because if I put bondage on you, like a lot of other churches do, and a lot of other religious people do, they'll tell you, women, you can't come in in anything other than a dress. Come on, ladies, this will be a good time to speak up and say amen. I'm glad for a church where I can just walk in and be free in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's the truth of Scripture. It's modest for you to be sitting in a pair of blue jeans right now versus a dress. Yeah. Amen. amen. Hey, I've been in churches where I had to turn my head because women would sit in a dress on the platform on the stage. That's not very modest in my opinion. Been in churches where that was the count and they always had the keyboard and they'd have to wrap the keyboard so the woman could sit down and play the piano. How sad is it that we in religion make it our way when God didn't come to bind us, he come to set us free. Religion binds you, relationship with Christ frees you. He sets us free, church. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen. I'm free in this house today. Why? Because God is my Savior. My religion will not save me. Religion binds you. Relationship will save you through Jesus Christ. He will convict us. I'm not saying that He won't bring conviction. But I'm sure to tell you today, He will not condemn you. Amen. Condemnation's only going to happen. Condemnation is where that he condemns you. And when that happens is whenever you go through your whole life and reject him in your entire life and you cross from this life to the next in eternity, then you will be condemned if you don't accept him as Lord and Savior in this life. That's when condemnation will happen. It means damn you to hell. And it's not his will even then to do that. He gave you a right and a freedom and a good mind to make that choice here on this planet today. Don't leave this life. And don't try to get to God through your religion. The Pharisees and Sadducees were doing that. They knew the words of God. 
and they were so caught up with their phylacteries and it, basically they would wake up every morning and they would tie a little box to their hand and they would wrap it around their arms seven times and they would pray specific prayers and they'd put the little box on their head and you, you still see it today. The religion of Jewish faith is still alive today. They'll go over, you see them at the welling wall praying and kneeling and there's nothing wrong with prayer. But the deal is they're doing it out of religious side, not out of relationship side. I'm not condemning them. I'm just saying that they need a relationship with Jesus Christ to set them free. Amen? Is there anybody set free in this room today? Has Jesus allowed you to know that you're going to spend eternity with him in heaven forever today sitting in this room? We are free in this house. I'm glad for that. So these Pharisees and Sadducees didn't know this. They knew the word of God. So Herod didn't know the word of God. So these Pharisees and Sadducees, they did know the word of God, but it still wasn't enough. So don't read the scripture and study the scripture so that you've got an answer to everybody, so that everybody else is wrong and you're the only one right. Because then we become so self-righteous in our own religion that my way is the only way. How many knows there's enough room for God to do whatever he desires? Amen? If he wants to use other churches to do other things and cause them to go and, and, and do different activities in our community, then amen. We're not in a competition with other churches. Amen? I thank God that he allows them to be used the same way he does us, to be used in our own way. So don't study to be a smart aleck because the world's got enough of those amen the world is full of smart alecks and that's not who God has called us to be as Christians he tells us that he will give grace to the humble what should the church be we should be meek amen the Christmas songs tells us that Jesus was meek and mild right that's what we should be if we want to exemplify Christ in our life. We can be religious, though, because in the New Testament, Paul or James, uh, Jesus' brother, he, he uh, spells out and tells us that we can have religion. And religion is binding. I told you that a moment ago, right? So we can't have religion, but what should we be religious about? And religious is doing something over and over and over again, repetitive, and it's just our way and how we act and interact with other people and how we interact in our lives. So there's nothing wrong with being religious. There's nothing wrong with getting up on Sunday mornings at 10.30, well, not 10.30, maybe 9.30, and coming on down to the church, amen? You can, you can be religious about coming to church. Nothing wrong with that. You can be religious about vacations. There's nothing wrong with that. But James, Jesus' very own brother, says this, James 1.27, Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. So if you want to be religious about anything, take care of orphans, and take care of widows. And take care of yourself being unspotted from this world. How many can attest to that? That this world tries to come upon me every day that I live. Amen. Outside forces from this world will come upon me. The enemy of my soul will come upon me and try to spot me with what he wants instead of what God wants. We've got to be careful of that, church. But pure and unfiled religion is to visit orphans, take care of orphans and widows. Do you put the pictures in the screen? So, a few weeks ago, I, I hope most of us, if not all of us, was here or watched online or something about the missions convention we just had and the parishes. We had them up on the screen, right? And they zoomed in from Indonesia and how awesome it was to get to experience that and and how that God is using technology in our age to even uh, share with us things going on around the world on the other side of the planet. And they showed in their video, as, as they were there and had the video, this gentleman that they had given a blanket to, right? That 
he had come in. He was a refugee, somebody from another nation, and they had just shared a blanket with this guy. And he acted like that they had given him a new Mercedes Benz or something in our world. That's the way we would act, is the way he was acting about a blanket. And when we see things like that, does it really impact us or does it change how we interact with those around us? And the beautiful part is, as that video happened, that Tabby went home and it bothered her. It troubled her that there's individuals on the other side of the planet that we go and crawl in our beds with comforters this deep, on mattresses this thick, and we ain't even, we're not even comfortable with a mattress. We have to have a pillow top now, right? And then you've got to buy the extra sheets that's deeper. What's it called? The kind that you, you know, that go over all the pillow top too. Comforter. Comforter. Oh, Lord have mercy. Does anybody in this room have a comforter? Aren't they awesome? Don't you just love a comforter? It's so comforting having a comforter. But these individuals, just with a blanket, is so grateful to God that even the basic necessities are a blessing to them and Tabby went home and she didn't just say well that was a great service today and I'm glad Mac Mackenzie put all that together and I, I, I'm thankful that God allowed the parishes to go over there and accept the call and go to, to the Philippines and then go on to Indonesia and I, I'm thankful for all that and it's great I'm grateful for all that and it's really inspiring and I know it now she didn't go home and just say I'm going to do nothing with that she went home she started messaging she started messaging me first. She's like, well, what can I do? I, I don't know. Well, can we take up blankets and, 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 and gather up a bunch of the church and then ship them over there? And I was like, why would we buy blankets that's most likely from China in America and then ship them back to Indonesia? It's the world we're living in, right? The big containers stuck out there in the mid, you know, out there in the ocean. Oh Lord, the whole earth is going to crumble. The supply chain is disrupted. We can't even have Christmas. How vain are we? Can you imagine what God looks at us like? Is that really how tore up you are that you can't have Christmas because a boat's out in the middle of the ocean that can't get offloaded? Is that really what Christmas is about? So as this happened, and I said, well, we could reach out to the parishes and find out if there's a way that they could purchase them over there, and then we could take up money and give that money to help that cause, and then they can go buy them and get it directly to whoever it needs to get to. And the beautiful part was that she messaged them and and added, she went on their site, and she added them, and now she's on their uh, email list, so she's getting information back from the parishes, and she's on their page, and she understands who they are and what they do a little bit more now. And the parishes, she told them, you know, we'd love to do this, and can we, can we do it? Or would you be willing to let us partner with you on this? And what is a missionary going to say? Nah, just, that's too much. We'll, we'll let that one go. It just sounds like a little much. Sounds like work. I don't want to do that in ministry. I'm a missionary, and I ain't really doing that work stuff. They was elated that somebody actually did something with what they heard. And Kent says, I'll go do some studying. And Kent goes down to a, a pastor down in a community there in Indonesia that he knows. And he, he talks to that pastor. And that pastor said, yes. And actually, this morning I was praying because I've just taken in 20 orphan kids that has come from these other countries, and I've taken them in, and they're sleeping in our church on the floor. He said, I was just praying for some bedding for them. And that's just like the God I serve. To go halfway around the planet. The heart of a little girl named Tabby, and say, I'm going to make a difference today. And I'm going to change the world for these tw 20 little orphans. So then we say, well, how much is it? He says, well, we can get them a mattress and a pillow and a blanket for $50 each in Indonesia. I can go down to the market right now and get them if we get the money. Pastor Kent messages and says, what do you think? What's 20 times 50? $1,000, right? 
what are we going to say? Do you think the bridge can come up with $1,000 as a church, as a group? Look around. Can we not come up with $1,000 to help these people? So just on, a, on, on the knowledge of that as your pastor, I just said, yes, we will do them all. Count the bridge in. We'll mail you the check. It's coming. We're going to get it done. We'll make it happen. And we spend that. So we, we had the money in the missions account that we take up all year long. So every month we do a missions offering. McKenzie comes up and talks about it. And as we do that, last year we, we was able to take up enough money, and we had that $1,000 in that account. So we just shipped them the $1,000. And guess what? There's a picture of the actual beds that you guys bought right there. And they're in that church today. That's who Jesus is. And it's not the ones, and it doesn't mean that we have to give the whole thousand ourselves, or maybe it's just $5 a month that you're putting into missions. It makes a difference. That's undefiled religion, is that take care of the orphans and the widows. And we don't have to go halfway around the world to do that. There's people that's living up and down the hollers in Lewis County, little kids that you bus drivers know, Cindy. That, and I heard teachers talking to me this past week that, Kids are worried about when they go home for Christmas. Are we going to eat for the two weeks? And when we live in these big homes of our own and we're so comfortable, we can make a difference, folks. We just got to look outside of our normal and say, God, show me, open my eyes. Make me religious about helping those kids up these hollers or out here in the city or in town that I can go help supply the need that they have today. There you go. We don't have to look far. It's really close to home. And I want to help them around the world and I want to help us right here at home. And you guys can make a difference doing that. So the week after that, we told Ashley that we was going to do it. And, and I told Ashley, you know, come up at the end of service. And she was going to lead us in her prayer, dismissal prayer. And it was awesome. And I told her to announce it. And, and Ashley comes up here and she says, okay, we're giving the $1,000. But I think I said it, but she didn't hear it. But maybe it was wrong in our way we said it. Was that we was going to take up an offering that day to help cover the $1,000. That we want to replenish the missions fund so the next time something happens. So Ashley comes up and says, we did it. We, we did do it. It was awesome. <laughs> but I wasn't worried. I wasn't worried at all because I know the people of the bridge. And so we just did it. We mailed the check, and it's all done. They're there. They're bought. Your, your dollars went there and did it. So that's awesome. And thank you, Ashley, for being brave enough to come up and say the ending prayer. It's always awesome when we pick on people sometimes to come and do that for us. I'm not worried at all. That money will replenish itself in and of itself, and God will just do that. I don't even concern myself. It, it already has because there was one individual that come up to me and said, a couple, and they wanted to be anonymous, and they don't want their name to be told, and they said, Pastor, that's what I know we're supposed to do. And as one individual couple they covered the cost for those beds. We did as a church. God uses one to replenish. It's just the way it is. We just need to trust him. Amen? If we want to be religious about anything, let's be religious about just obeying God's word, obeying his voice, doing what he tells us to do, and we'll make a difference for all those around us. So if you're here today and you say, well, I want to make a difference, I want to help, and we don't need to make a big deal out of it sometimes. And we don't need to post it all over Facebook that we're helping people. Amen. Sometimes we need to do it in silence. It's what Jesus told us to do. Our alms is not to be shared amongst all. Amen. There's nothing wrong with as a church telling it's done. But we're not doing it to brag. We're doing it to just boast what God is doing. We want to be religious about things. Let's be religious about that. Orphans and widows. I want you to tell your neighbor that right now. I want you to look at him and say, orphans and widows. And orphans doesn't mean probably what you think it means. 
Orphans doesn't mean just the people that doesn't have parents. I think orphans means those that are destitute and without. And there's some kids out here with some parents that they live with that they're going without. It's our job as a church to step up to that plate and say, God, help us to know and help us to act and help us to make a difference. And the deal is, I was not in tune to hear that. God didn't use me to cause that and make that happen. It took Tabby to make that happen. And he uses all of us as a whole to make a difference. Sometimes it's going to be you. Be in tune and be listening to God's voice because he is still speaking. And it doesn't just come from the platform. His voice will beckon you in your car. It will beckon you when you're sitting at your study. It'll beckon you when you're driving down the road. It'll beckon you when you wake up in the morning. It'll beckon you when you go to sleep at night. God's voice will speak to you, and he'll call you to make a difference. Sometimes we're religious about things, and we've got these little sayings, and I'm about done here. Have you ever heard this thing? Red sky at night. Red sky in the morning. So that's been around a long time. And I love the pictures there last week that everybody was posting that one morning. I woke up, and I took a picture on the way to work, too. And I was like, I'm going to post this in a little bit. Beautiful red sky, right? Just beautiful. Just uh, We talked about that verse that the wise men saw, that the heavens declare the handiwork of God. And Sometimes we need to look up and just say, wow, God, you're so big, you're so huge, you're so awesome. And as they did that and they looked up and they saw that, I, I thought about that red sky at night. Sailors delight, red sky in the morning, take warning. So I, I knew that there was going to be rain that day. Before I, I got to work and I won't be gomming around on my phone while I'm driving because that's not wise come on somebody tell your teenagers that amen don't text and drive if you do pull over well maybe they ain't even teenagers maybe there's some adults in the room need to hear that too amen Earl, Earl's he's elbowing Amy and Amy's elbowing Earl I don't know who's who there but somebody's involved so there's some things like that that we have saw and heard our whole life, but where does that really derive from? So I want to read you a verse, Matthew 16, verses 1 through 4. Then the Pharisees and Sadducees, these same people that had said, you know, he's going to be born in Bethlehem, came and testing him, being Jesus, they tried to test Jesus because they knew he was supposed to be born in Bethlehem, but once they heard it, they didn't believe it, they couldn't understand it, it wasn't in the way they thought it would come about, they didn't believe in Jesus. And they asked him that he would show them a sign in heaven. I wonder if they didn't learn from the wise men that they needed to be looking up. So they said, we need a sign in heaven. And he answered and said to them, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather. The sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today for the sky is red and threatening. Some of these little quotes we have are scriptural based. Did you know that? Scripture is truth. And weather happens that way. And just this past day before yesterday, the evening into the night into the morning, we know the devastation that happened in western Kentucky. I thank God for Doppler white radar and all the things that they have brought about now to give us warning. Just so heartbroken over the individuals that lost family members. Life changed in an instant. People working in the factories. We just become so callous, don't we, that we don't pay attention when we get a warning. It just makes me wonder about some of those factories. Did the manager that was the floor manager at the time get a Doppler radar warning on their phone? And what did they do with that information? Did they just say, well, 
just another storm, just another tornado warning. Our actions matter. What are we doing with what God gives us in warnings? We need to do something with that. And we are going to take up special offering this morning to help those in, out in western Kentucky. And we've got a direct line through Convoy of Hope. And we've had Convoy of Hope here several times in our missions. And Randy and them come and spoke a few years ago. Was that last year or this year? Last year. So we got a direct connection. And Convoy of Hope is always first. They beat the first Red Cross. They beat the Salvation Army. They beat everybody there every time. Convoy of Hope is already on the ground, and we can get the resources to them. We don't need to take up baskets full of water and waste our gas getting it there when they got a source to bring water in on tractor and trailer loads. What they need is the money to do that. So if they need generators right now, they can get generators and take them directly there. We don't have to do those things because we got Convoy of Hope that does it in a systematic way. And I'm not telling you not to give to some of those things too because they're going to pack the buses to school. You can help be a part of that too with toys and stuff for the kids because that will get there and it will do what it's supposed to do. But right now today, what we can do is give money to Convoy of Hope that will make a difference today and tomorrow. It can get there faster than material. We need to do that too. But today we can make that difference. Father, I just thank you today that you're going to lay upon our hearts what we can do as a church and what we can do as individuals. God, I pray that you would just, every person in this room, that you would allow us to hear your voice and know what we can do ourselves. And Lord, that we wouldn't give grudgingly, that we would be cheerful givers. And God, that we know that the money that we can give can go directly to the front lines that it will be resources that are needed in real time. God, I pray that you would bless the Convoy of Hope and, Lord, the tractor and trailer drivers that are already there and all the administrative people that are already setting up camp there. God, I pray today that you would just allow the church to be the compassion agency that you've called us to be. And, God, for those that are hurting in western Kentucky, whether they lost their homes they're hurting because they lost their employment or their jobs or their businesses and mostly for those that lost family members and loved ones God I pray that you would cause the church to rise up on such a day as this that we would see the hour in which we live and we would be involved and we would be the ones that step up and do what you ask us to do Jesus' name. Amen. So I just want to end the service with this today, and I, I know I'm right at 11:30 here right now. But every year, beginning of the year, we as the church at the bridge, some of you are new here and you haven't been with us before for this juncture, going into a new year, and we always do a, a fasting and prayer and. A season of that every beginning of the year as a whole church we do it church-wide as a corporate group and fasting can be uh, some people do the Daniel fast which is you know basically just water and fruit and vegetables for 21 days and that's taken from the book of Daniel and you better have your a-game if you're gonna do that <laughs> because the soy patties will make you throw up in your mouth that's what Albie did when she tried it a few years ago Some people fast social media. They'll completely turn off their social media for 21 days to just hear from God in that way, that they'll close out the things that distract us from Him. Some people do partial fast. Some people do intermittent fast. There's just all different kinds of things you can do. I just encourage you to prepare for that and do something. And just do something to get us closer to God but in, an, in that too we always do as a church 
wide deal, we'll break up in connection groups and we'll do uh, book study. And I, I posted this on Facebook last week. Now, I know that everybody's not on Facebook. Not everybody's a face world champion. So we always do a book study, and I've chosen this year that we're going to do a book study called At Your Best. It's a book by a pastor up in Canada. His name's Kerry Newoff, and I listen to his podcast weekly. I love Pastor Kerry and all the wisdom he brings about leadership, and he wrote this book called At Your Best, and it just came out a few months ago, and it, um, we ordered them. We've, we've got 50 of them as a church that we're going to, you know, for your donation of $15, we're going we're gonna to get those to you. Um, you can order it on Amazon or something like that. If you would rather do a, an audio book or something like that, you can order at your best there. But don't start on it too early. Wait wait till we get into connection groups on um, the 1st of January so that we can all start it together. Uh, there's also a study link on the Bible app that I talked about earlier that is at, at your best. It's gonna, there's a Bible study tool on the app for that, so don't go in there and look at that. Get all ahead of the game. Look at your neighbor and say, just... Take it easy. Wait till January 1. I know what you're going to do, Shannon. I had to call you out on that. I know he was already thinking, well, I'm going to go look it up on the way home, and I'm going to, you know, hold up. Wait a minute. So we're trying to base these groups around different things for different people. So whether it being, if you want to in a group of just men, we want to do that. If you want to be in a group that's just women, we want to be able to do that. If you want in a group that's uh, kind of gearing this towards leadership, we want a group to do that or or business owners, those of you that may own a business and you want to be better at, at your time and at your best, that God would help you with your business, we want to be able to do that. Uh, and we are going to offer it through some Zoom, too. I want to, I want to make sure we have some Zoom uh, for people that's busy and can't get in person somewhere to maybe a house or something like that, that we can do that uh, as a group in Zoom. But just be involved if you can. and. It's going to be a good book study. I assure you it's uh, something that will help us. How many would like to be at your best? Amen. I've been at my worst. I want to be at my best. So we will have those books available. Um, possibly next weekend here we'll do that because that will get us ready uh, for that. And children's ministry is going to be doing a service next week. So make sure to have your kids here. Uh, pay attention to the uh, parents uh, who care uh, children's church group if you're not in that make sure and get with Dusty and Albie so that you can get put into that group um, and have an understanding of what's going on I'm sure they'll be sharing stuff there so that's all I have other than make a decision to be closer to God today whether if you don't have a relationship with him today would be a perfect day you're sitting here thinking man this stuff sounds like what I need I need a relationship with Jesus and I want to make him Lord of my life. It's really simple. You can pray a really simple prayer. Just say, Lord, come in. Be Lord of my life. I give you what I have. Change my life for the better. And make eternity my home. And it's just a prayer that you have to pray. And it's not any specific order. And it's nothing that you have to say and pray this after me. I know we do that often. God knows your heart. And if you give it to him, he'll accept it. And he'll give you the blood of his son, Jesus, to cover all your sins. And you'll leave out of here a changed man or a changed woman. I urge you to do that today. Let's be starstruck by him. Amen.